Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to week 220 and video episode number 46 of Music Is Not A Genre. Each week I take a release from my collection, I discuss it, I give you my take on it, I throw in some interesting info, and I connect it to my music, other music, and other things in the world. If you like this podcast or my other podcast, Music Is Everything, or any of the live or recorded music on this channel, please take a moment to subscribe and ding that bell so you get notifications when I post new videos, which is pretty much every single week. And or if you know someone who you think is as much a music obsessive as I am and has eclectic tastes and really just like to dive deep into music, please share this channel with them, share this video with them or any of the videos that you see and uh, ask them to join the family. Uh, better yet, if any of you love, love, love what you've been getting from this channel, from my lovely face and uh, one more I am now on Patreon. Up at the top right on my banner, you see Manag on Patreon. Music is not a genre. On Patreon, uh, for as little as $5 a month and as much as whatever the heck you have in your wallet right now, you can get exclusive podcasts, exclusive performances, special edition podcasts, interview series that I am getting started with very soon uh, performances that are related to the podcast in some way, some that are unrelated, some maybe even by request. Please take a moment to go check out that Patreon page. Thank you. And uh, give me a, a second here. All right, clearing the throat, because this week, this topic is something I have been excited about the moment I decided to do it, and that is when a cover tune destroys the original. This is The Covers. Versus Originals Challenge. And we're going to get to that challenge in the second half of this podcast. First half of this podcast is going to discuss the impetus for this whole thing, which is this single right here, The Bangles, Hazy Shade of Winter, which, if you know the song, you hopefully also know that it is a remake of an original version by Simon and Garfunkel, bridging the gap between the 1960s and the 1980s. Have you ever... When I heard this song... You know, uh, when I first heard this song, A, I was blown away by it, by the production, by the energy, just by the, the Bangles themselves uh, are, are an incredible band. And I say are because um, they're still around. And not only that, they have their complete original lineup out there performing. And uh, I believe that they're thinking about recording some new material. Their last recorded material was in 2011, uh, new material. They did a, uh, They actually did three cover songs on something else, I think, in 2016, and have gone through a lot of personal changes in the interim, but right now they are back to the original core four. And uh, the, I'm excited for that because I want to hear more of what they're doing, because stuff like this, this song 
this every aspect of it blew me away. And I did not know at the time that it was a Simon and Garfunkel song. I think I might have had an inkling, but I really didn't know. Or I thought, oh, this, you know, might have been by somebody. And that to me is kind of the, the exactly what I'm going for here. There are cover tunes that are either as good as or better than the originals, or, you know, or good in a different way or however you want to put it. And that's part of the challenge we're going to get to later. So stick around. Uh, and this one, I think it's, it's kind of a, it can be considered, uh, you know, no, I'm just going to say, it. I like this. I like this version better. I think Simon and Garfunkel were awesome and their major hits and, and even their other stuff that, you know, are lesser known, incredible, absolutely incredible. You can't not say that they're, that, you know, that they're, uh, incredible. Uh, but when you think of the top 10, 15, 20 Simon and Garfunkel songs, there's a good chance that this one's not in it because they had so many hits. They had so many great songs. doesn't mean it, well, this wasn't a great song. If it wasn't a great song, they wouldn't have done the remake of it. But the point being that they did something with the song. It made an impact. It was a single. It made a splash, a big, you know, a pretty big splash. And then, and then this group, one of the pioneering all-female rock groups, that were formed in, in 1981, uh, and this, I believe, was 88, something like that, um, took it and did even more with it. They found something in the song that was there, but not quite as, you know, as fully developed. They, they brought out an energy and a kind of an aggressive, uh, you know, dark side and a, and, a, and a sheen to it as well that you're, you know, used to hearing in the 80s especially. And yet they still stuck to the spirit of the original, which, as you may know, if you've been following me for all these years or all these podcasts, I'm very picky about covers. You know, I might have eclectic taste and such and such. But for covers for me have to straddle that line between being inventive in a certain way, but bringing something new uh, to, let's say, the context in which you're recording it or adding a new element from a different style, perhaps, a different production values, such, and you know, things like that, while still sticking kind of to the spirit of the original and mostly to the structure, a little, you know, shifting of verses or, you know, uh, adding an extra course, things like that. Totally, totally fine in my, you know, book. Uh, but it, it, it's got to ha kind of have that combination of newness and, you know, uh, honoring the spirit of the original song, because the whole point of doing a cover is that the, you love the song for some reason, right? And, and I'm not talking about uh, repurposing material from old songs like sampling or using chord progressions or lyrics in other songs, either through like remixes, which is a whole different category to me than a cover, or uh, using samples in things like hip hop songs, which have been done incredibly well so many, so many times. Those are different things. I'm talking about a straight up cover. Um, there are a lot of people, unknowns to superstars, who do covers of a lot of things. And you know, as is with all material, most material is not the greatest in the world. Some of it might be great or really good, but the, with covers, I find that there can often be a certain laziness and approach because if you're covering a song, chances are, not, not always, but chances are you love the song and you love the song because it's a damn good song. So you know, there is a school of thought 
that if I take, let's say, a, an amazing, I don't know, Cole Porter standard from the Great American Songbook or a Gershwin tune and just, you know, put great production behind it and sing, that that constitutes a great cover. And I find 85% of that to just be pointless, uh, other than selling something for the artist that their fans love, which I guess is then it's not pointless. It's There's a point to it. It's just that for me, I would much rather hear original material from that artist done in a certain style than them trying to essentially just recreate an old song. If you're going to do a, an old song, do something new with it. Do something more personal and unique with it. You know, that's, so anyway, that's kind of my thing. Um, but this week is the, the whole idea of this challenge, which we're getting to very soon. This is called building suspense, you know, is that, is that there are songs that you hear that you find awesome that you maybe didn't even know were cover songs. And quite a few of them. Some of them, it's because the original maybe didn't have a hit, you know, it was a lesser known song. But in a lot of cases, it's songs that were hits originally that were then, that are then hits again in a different way. And it might take you, uh, you know, a day, month, week, year, several years to discover that that song is a cover. And I say all of those things because for me in researching this, <laughs> it's happened that I, I looked up great covers that are better than the originals and songs popped up where I'm like, that's a cover. You know, I didn't know it wasn't it wasn't that many, but there were a few out there. And over the years, there have been quite a few where I was like, I didn't know that was a cover. And yet at the same time, there are plenty of songs where I knew they were covers. But the artist did something just so cool and different and new with it. And again, still kind of made kept, kept that connection to the original that, you know, in my opinion and in my heart, I liked it better. And, you know, like I said, with this, this is a perfect example. Um now, I've done covers, you know, uh, not many, but quite a few. And I've been doing a little more lately because uh, I like, you know, to kind of put my money where my mouth is and, and uh, honor old songs while bringing something new to them, right? And a great example of what I'm talking about, I think, is off of my band Rex's latest EP, Syncope for the Weird. It's a Beatles song called I'll Be Back, which... Again, similar to Simon and Garfunkel, only to the nth degree, they had so many hits. I don't think you can, you would, I don't know if you would list their top 50 songs and I'll Be Back would be in it. And yet it was in its own way a hit. And, you know, in, in, in a lesser way a hit. And what happened was, I've always loved that song. I made a collection, a playlist of lesser known Beatles songs to listen to, you know, on my travels and everything like that. And at the time... My kids were really in Hamilton and I was listening to my playlist, uh, you know, and then I, you know, went to hang out with my kids and they were playing the Hamilton soundtrack in incessantly and I loved the music and there was a slower song on there that had a kind of groove element to it and the beat behind it, I was like, oh my God, I could hear the, I'll be back done kind of in this style with this beat. And that's how my cover of I'll Be Back was born. It was me thinking, well, you know, what can I bring new contextually to an old song that still, again, sticks? You, you can clearly tell that that's the song that it is and that it does that kind of justice to the emotional content and all that stuff. But it's adding an element that, you know, wasn't wasn't there. there you know, it had a, there's a certain, I guess, uh, what the, how did I, you know, 
how did I put it? It, it, it it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's this certain kind of uh, smokiness. It's a, there's a smokiness to the song that did exist before. And I feel like I brought even more of that out you know, and then kind of gave it that slow jam kind of feel as well. Uh, but please be the judge, you know, click the link, uh, listen to both back to back and let me know what you think. Um, there have been plenty of other songs that I love that I haven't covered because I don't know what to do with them to bring something new, uh, you know, without that kind of awkward feeling of, oh, you're trying to make a fast song a slow song or a slow song a fast song, which you can do. In fact, there are a couple examples of this in the challenge that we're going to get to in a second. But uh, I think that's, again, kind of an easy way out to say we're going to take this jamming song and turn it into this, you know, acoustic or, you know, freaking ukulele version of it. OK, cool. You know, but if you're not bringing you know, if you're not somehow sticking to what the original was in terms of the emotional content, I think, then just write a new song, you know, just just kind of set that aside. Right. So. Um, I want to know what you think about all this. Do you like Hazy Shade of Winter, this version, better than the Simon and Garfunkel version? Do you, do you, uh, do you like uh, the Beatles' I'll Be Back better than mine, or vice versa? Um, and now, I really want to know what you think, because here comes the fun part. This is, take a look at this, a list of songs that I compiled through the last 50 years or so, 50, 60 years, um, that are uh, covers of earlier hits. And I'm going to give you my opinions as to which I think are better. And I want you to write all this down, like, word for word, because whatever I say, it's absolutely 100% law. It's not, that's, you know, that's a given if you're watching this. It's, it's just 100% law. There can be no uh, dispute. Or there can, and that's what I want to hear from you. Uh, so let's let's knock this out. We're going to start with the 1960s, and a real obvious one, the Beatles, Twist and Shout, except if you know, you know it's not the Beatles. It was done by the Isley Brothers, and their version has extreme amount of similarities to the Isley Brothers, and it just is kind of more rocking, you know, out there version, except it wasn't an Isley Brothers song. It was a song co-written by Phil Medley of the Righteous Brothers. no. Actually, I don't think that's true, but look it up. In the 50s, and given to a band called The Top Notes, they did a recording of it, didn't make a splash at all. Isley's heard it and said, we well, want to do this. And they had a hit. And then the Beatles did it, and over the years have had a much bigger hit with it. Now, in my book, I, I just listened to the entire Isley Brothers catalog, and I think they are absolutely amazing. I don't understand why more people don't talk about them. But I will say that for many, many reasons, not the least of which is Ferris Bueller, I got to give the tip of the hat to the Beatles version of Twist and Shout. Okay, but that's not always the case. There's a lesser known Beatles song called I Call Your Name that was covered not long after by the Mamas and the Papas. And it's not a very well-known Beatles song, but it's a really good early Beatles song. The Mamas and the Papas reinvented it while, again, sticking to the you know, uh, spirit of the original. And I got to say, the Mamas and Papas did something different with it, better with it, I think, in, in, in a way. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tip the hat to them. Mr. Tambourine Man. 
You know that song? If you do, there's a really good chance you know the Birds version because it's an amazing version of a song that was written and recorded by Bob Dylan and was also a hit for Bob Dylan. And the thing about Bob Dylan is for the vast majority of what he does, he, he, he wasn't necessarily actively looking to top the charts or anything. He just happens to be awesome at what he does and created the songs in that kind of, you know, proto-singer-songwriter mode that stand the test of time. But it's also why there have been many, many artists who have covered his material who've actually done better versions, uh, in my mind. And in this case, Mr. Tambourine Man is one of them. I've listened to both. And look, I love that folk music, you know, and that was really what he was doing at the time. But the birds just kill it, you know, they kill it. Um, which is also true of Jimi Hendrix's version of All Along the Watchtower. You can't, listen, you, the fact that the original exists is the honor that it deserves. You know, it, it is, these covers wouldn't be as great as they are if the original itself wasn't great. But again, I gotta say, and, and I believe even Bob Dylan said at the time, that Jimi Hendrix just took this to another level. All right. Uh, and then one more, and I know everybody's gonna agree with me on this, I think. The song Respect by uh, Aretha Franklin, yes, but originally by Otis Redding. I mean, she took it into a whole different realm, and there's just no two ways about that. Which brings us to the 1970s, uh, and two songs that originated in the 1960s that were re-recorded by uh, big bands in the 70s. Again, the Beatles got to get you into my life. Uh, one of my favorite songs of theirs, it's from that period that I love the most, their middle period. Um, although no period I don't love. And I heard many, many years ago the Earth, Wind & Fire version of this. And they reinvented it in a way that's just stupendous. Absolutely stupendous. Now, my personal, I guess, uh, my personal taste is I still prefer the Beatles version. But these two are so different in their own way that this, I think, is one of those cases where it's an as good as. Uh, so I'm going to leave it at that. And you tell me if you disagree. I want to hear from you. You hear me? Uh, and then another one, Black Magic Woman. I can guarantee you, if anybody knows this song, most people are going to say, oh, my God, Santana you know, wrote a great song. Except that it was written by Peter Green and Fleetwood Mac before he left the band. And released like a couple of years before that in the late 60s. And Santana, who has done a ton of covers and really just ripped them apart in, ama in amazing ways, took this song and turned it into the, the thing that it was always meant to be, in my mind. Um, sticking with the 1970s, and strictly in the 1970s, uh, the song Blinded by the Light. No, not the new song by The Weeknd. I'm going to set that one aside for several reasons. Um, this is a song by Bruce Springsteen, and it was a hit for Bruce Springsteen, did its thing, and then Manfred Mann's Earth Band took it and made it even better. And look, you can't say that about a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs. I mean, when he does a song, he does it. Boom, that's the end. Story's been written, you know. Not in this case. There were years where I didn't even, I, I didn't even know that it wasn't an origi originally a Manfred Mann's Earth Band song. 
So that's, that's my take on that. Another one uh, from a couple years later. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? I love Elvis Costello and his take on music and the way he writes and, and how he can take things that are lyrically and, 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 and you know, quarterly complex and make them catchy. But this is not a song of his. This is a Nick Lowe song that he covered. I, I don't think I heard the, the Nick Lowe version until a couple decades after I heard Elvis Costello's version. And uh, yeah, because I'm an Elvis Costello fan, I'm going to give it to Elvis Costello on this one. Um, there are a lot of songs on covers I'm skipping over. A lot. Part, some of them, because I, the criteria here is that it had to be a hit originally, is what I'm going with here. And that's why... I've already made it to the 1980s, and this song, Hazy Shade of Winter, which we talked about, and for some of you, it might be an As Good As, or if you're of a certain era, you know, Simon and Garfunkel win the day. For me, there's just no, you know, I'm going to be performing this song with my partner in the, in the future, and it's because of this version. It's just because of this version, all right? Um, then you have Soft Cell with its kind of, two-song mashup, their original Tainted Love and Where Did Our Love Go, the whole tag ending of that song is, is a completely different song. It was originally done by the Supremes. Um, this is a hard one for me because I like that kind of early 80s techno vibe, but because it was, and I like the surprise that that song creates and throwing that onto the end like that and connecting it to the, you know, the, the the material of, uh, and the lyrical content of Tainted Love. Um, but the Supremes version is the complete version and it just has a, I don't know, I, I think, tough call, but I'm going to give it to the Supremes on this one. But similar, very similar. In that same era, Naked Eyes did always something there to remind me. This is one of those ones where I had zero idea that it was a cover for a really long time. And it turns out, this is a song, and I, and I don't remember all the details, but it was a hit, actually, I think four different times. But the biggest previous hit was Dionne Warwick's version. And man, they are so different. And there's a real cool kind of, you know, bit of an island vibe to Dionne Warwick's version that is kind of laid back and, you know, she does great things with it. And this is a, a Burt Bacharach and Hal David song originally. Um, but no, again, I think this in this case, whereas I gave it to the Supremes for the other one, I got to give it to Naked Eyes on this one. They they took it and made it just uh, like a, like a you know, they made it like a, an anthem. They made it anthemic. All right. So that's what I'm saying there. And then uh, one more from the 1960s to 1980s, Bridging the Gap. Take a look. Take a screenshot. Uh, and that is the song Red Red Wine. Uh, I'm going to be doing a future podcast on reggae because I'm cleaning out my LP collection. I have a bunch of uh, two or three reggae albums. And um, UB40, this British reggae band, who had a bunch of hits, uh, a couple of which were covers. This is the case. I didn't know that this was a Neil Diamond song. And I listened to the Neil Diamond version. And again, he's like Simon and Garbuncle. He had way better hits than this. Good song. If it wasn't good, UB40 wouldn't have done it. But they took it, and I think, and kind of like with Hendrix and All Along the Watchtower, made it into what it was meant to be. But look, take a, several days or a week or whatever, listen to all versions of these, right? And you tell me. 
Uh, we're going to stick with the 1980s, but these are songs that were originated in the 1970s. And let, uh, let me tell you, this is a huge list. I did not put all of them on here. But the, the 80s loved the 70s, and I think it's because it's, it's the great songs in the 70s, but production values and performance style changed so much between those two decades, more than many other decades, frankly, that, uh, that, that stuff was ripe for the picking. For example, a song like Funky Town by Lips Incorporated was redone by the, I think, Australian band Pseudo Echo. And I knew both versions. I was a DJ at the time. I played both versions. And I, I got to say, this one isn't as good as, you know, um, maybe even slightly tipping it to Lips Incorporated. The, there's, a, there's a real kind of a bright post-punk pop-iness uh, to the pseudo-echo version that I think bears repeated listening even all these decades later. But, you, I mean, you can't, you really can't take it away from Lips Incorporated because... If you're talking about funky town, you need to be super funky. And, and you know, I think Lips kind of wins it on that. Um, same for the song Lean On Me. These are like, these are like sister songs, frankly. Uh, Bill Withers, the late, great Bill Withers, one of his amazing hits in the 70s. Club Nouveau redid it. And that was a huge dance club hit. Huge, huge. And I know because I played it so many times in all the, the dances and parties that I DJed. And... You know, this isn't as, this to me, I almost think this isn't as good as because they're not, they're not this, really the same in any way, you know, other than the spirit, which is, again, an important thing. But they made it a party song. And Bill Withers' version is a very personal song and a very kind of warm, supportive song. And both of them have their functions. So I'm going to, I'm going to say tie. I'm sorry. I'm going to say tie. I don't know. I'm sorry to. Um... And another one is same. This is, again, this is like triplets right here. A song, Don't Leave Me This Way. Huge dance hit. Three times. And the version that I came to know, being a child of the 80s, was a version by the, I think, British band, the Communards, where they did something very similar to that that Pseudo Echo did for Funky Town. And they killed it. And they killed it. You gotta listen to it. They super, super killed it, right? But... I think the best version is Thelma Houston's version from 77. You know, uh, yes, familiar last name. We're going to get to that last name a couple of times in this list. Thelma Houston. Uh, That's the quintessential version. That's the quintessential version. But it was also itself a cover of the original that was released by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Philly International. Teddy Pendergrass. Gamble and Huff. Amazing, amazing. Theirs was a bit, it was 75, so it was a bit more kind of, you know, funky, groovy, loping. It didn't have the tightness that Thelma Houston's have. And I think Thelma Houston kind of split the difference between the 75 version and the, I want to say, 86 version, I think, of the Communards. So, tight race. Thelma wins. Uh, all right, you bet you don't know this is a cover. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cindy Lauper, owns that song. Owns it, hands down. Amazing performer and writer in her own right. This is a cover of a song by another guy from Philly, Robert Hazard, who was made famous Robert Hazard in the Heroes in the 80s for some hits. But he wrote and recorded this song in 1979. It was a minor hit, and it's got a, it's got a post-punk sound that's freaking cool. 
But you you can't. There's just no contest. Cindy Lauper takes this one. Um, I love rock and roll. One of those songs when I heard Joan Jett and the Blackhearts do it, I was like, oh, they wrote an awesome song, but they didn't. It was done by a not very well known band of the '70s called the Arrows. Listen to both versions; they're both great. But Joan Jett, you know, the the Arrows version, you know, thumps. It thumps the floor, right? Joan Jett's version rips the whole floor apart. So, yeah. Uh, And I think, and this is going to be a controversial one, same holds true for higher ground, right? Um, Stevie Wonder's in my top, you know, my rotating top 10 or 15 of greatest, you know, artists of all time. And his version of higher ground is indisputably awesome. But when the Red Hot Chili Peppers did it, they, they gave it a fighting spirit, that was that existed in the original but didn't quite come out and they made it come out and you know went on to a career i'd say uh another one didn't know it was a cover at the time come on feel the noise by quiet riot was originally a hit by slade i think was a british band i don't know but um i listened to both and the kind of that kind of thumping anthemic quiet riot version i think is really where that song was meant to go and it took time passing for it to get there it's a close race but uh, i think quiet riot beats slade um but here's one that's very similar to me going back to uh the the beginning of this 1970s list and that is uh the greatest love of all whitney houston has reinvented did or, or did reinvent many songs and made the best versions of them. George Benson is an amazing performer. But Whitney Houston turned this into a song for its time and beyond. So, yeah, you know. Uh, skipping to the 1990s, but a song from 1951, It's Oh So Quiet by Bjork, originally done by Betty Hutton. I got to tell you something about this. I never heard the Betty Hutton version. This is the song I was talking about where I didn't know actually that it was a cover. I thought it was Bjork kind of riffing on that old style and whatever in terms of writing, but it, and it was in terms of performing. Um, I am super surprised to say that I like Betty Hutton's version better. And the thing is, it's not because I actually think Bjork's version performance-wise, production-wise is better, but... Betty Hutton was like yelping and screaming. It's very similar to what Bjork did, but in 1951. And it was a B-side, so it wasn't a giant hit, but still, come on. Come on. And they stick away with the 1990s. Song from the 1960s, Frankie Valley, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, was reinvented by Lauren Hill. And I used to play this in coffee houses all the time. And it wasn't because of the Frankie Valley version. And there are a lot of Frankie Valley songs that I think are good. And and if you listen to the originals and not the uh, remakes that the stage show did, which really kind of suck a lot of the vibrancy out of them, um, you'll see how great those performances and songs were. But Lauren Hill just just made it into absolute coolness. It made you want to hear that song again and actually perform it, right? Uh, more in the 90s, but from the 1970s, uh, band Cake, 
who was always one of my favorites because of their production values. And a lot of what I've done, there's some similarities between wreck and cake. And not just the one syllable. I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. What a song. What an incredible song, right? Uh, cake did this kind of like, you know, downbeat, cool version of it, kind of a remix feel to it. Um, and you got to hand it to them for what they did because they brought some stuff out in it. But you got to give this one to Gloria Gaynor. You just have to because it's just so it's just so uh, powerful and joyous, really. Um, another 70s song, Killing Me Softly, Roberta Flack. People should know more about Roberta Flack because her voice is incredible and the way she performed was incredible. Um, the Fugees did a version of this that was, uh, that did it justice. And again, similar to what Lauren Hill did with Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, really kind of brought a certain groove to it that was only hinted at in the original. I'm still going to give it to Roberta Flack, but I got to hand it to the Fugees for what they did. Uh, Nirvana did The Man Who Sold the World on Unplugged and ripped it to shreds. Uh, it's a David Bowie song originally. Um, and this is tough for me because I, I love both of these artists. And I'm going to, I'm just going to leave this as, as an as good as because they have different, uh, this is just a certain different kind of grit to each one. I'm going to leave it at that. But I want to know what you think. But back to Houston, Whitney, I Will Always Love You. Most people would say that was her song and her song alone back then, especially. Now, maybe not so much. Why? Because Dolly Parton's freaking amazing. Everybody knows her. And you should hopefully know that she's not just this icon who has a certain kind of voice and look, but she's an amazing writer. And this was her song from the 70s, I think 75, maybe. And, you know, the thing is, Dolly Parton herself said Whitney Houston did a better job with this. So, hands down, right? The actual creator said that. The same way that Bob Dylan said with Jimi Hendrix. So, you know, you got it. Sticking with the 90s, but going to songs that were done in the 1980s, I'm going to just quickly say Jeff Buckley was an ethereal spirit with an amazing voice, and when he did Hallelujah, it became, it, it was legendary, and it still is. And his version is why everybody else does the song. Leonard Cohen, amazing writer, wouldn't exist without him. This song has been redone countless times. And it's one of those songs where I'm like, no, bring something to it. The way Jeff Buckley did, then we can talk. Uh, oh, nothing compares to you. Pretty much everybody knew at the time that this was a Prince song, um, or eventually did very soon after. Sinead O'Connor knocked it out of the park. Prince actually... Uh, did not originally release this as a single. He gave it to a protege band of his called The Family, and they released it in 85 as a single. It didn't do that well. Um, but then Prince subsequently released on a box set his version of it or on another uh, release, and you can hear the direct connection between his version and The Family's version. They're very, very, very similar. But the way Sinead O'Connor did in the production really, I think, took took it where it needed to be. And you, nobody's going to tell me that Prince didn't do everything amazingly well, and he's in my top three. But Sinead takes this one. And I think even he kind of said that. Um, Jump to the 2000s. Two more songs. I hope you enjoyed this marathon set. Uh, a surprise. 
by a duo named Gary Jules and Michael Andrews, um, a song called Mad World. They, they made it so melancholy and so beautiful. And it was originally uh, a kind of, you know, um, post-punk, techno-pop, uh, Tears for Fears song. And I'm a huge Tears for Fears fan. And, uh, you know, name any song of theirs, and, and I've probably heard it and like it. I have, because I've listened to their whole catalog, but I probably like it. This one included. Um, I, I think I'm going to say as good as for this, because I had to go back and listen to their version after I heard the newer version. And they're just so very different. They're so different that it's hard to say one is better than the other. But that just shows how great the, that the cover was, that it can live up to the original like that. And then last but not really last, because there, uh, this continues through every single year, people are covering things that have either existed for two months or, you know, two decades or 60 years and always will. So this list can be 500 times longer or more. But I'm ending with this one because it's a song that I covered with my partner, Catherine, which she sang called uh, Valerie. Uh, by the late, great Amy Winehouse. Really, Mark Ronson featuring Amy Winehouse, and that you can hear it in the production, and Mark Ronson's done some amazing things, as did Amy Winehouse. Uh, but it was originally a song by an indie band, the Zootons. And the Zootons, don't know a single thing about them. I'm not going to pretend I do. Except when I heard this original, I was like, ah, that's my vibe. That's totally my vibe. That's my kind of music. If I had heard it at the time, I would have liked it. She covered it almost immediately after it was released in the same exact year. I think it was 06 or something like that, or 08. And, um, and they reinvented it, the two of them, Mark Ronson and her. And so even though vibe-wise, I lean towards the Zootons, version-wise, I have to say Amy Winehouse takes it. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, everything I just said is absolute law. There can be no other opinion. So just go ahead and re re you know, rewind Write all this down. I'll send you a written transcript. How about that? But take this, take this screenshot again. And thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for clicking and, and watching and, and sharing and subscribing and checking out my Patreon page. And especially thank you for chiming in and letting me know what you think about all this. Come up with other covers of originals, both of which were hits, but you, you know, tell me which one you like better that wasn't on this list. Or go back to this list and knock it down and just tell me what you think. Tell me how wrong I was about one, how right I was about another, how I missed the mark on this one, how I kind of got this one right. I want to hear all of this because as always, my objectives are music, conversation, and connection. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.